Hello and welcome to the Activist Podcast, brought to you by Vegan FTA, Vegan for the Animals. I'm your host, Gareth Skur, and I'll also be joined by my wonderful co-host and wife, Jackie Norman. In this episode, we have Izzy Jacobus, founder of Animals First on the 2nd. On the 2nd of every month, thousands of vegan activists unite across the globe to raise awareness of the plight billions of animals endure every day on their way to slaughter. In this interview, Izzy explains his inspiration and drive behind what has become a rapidly growing global movement. We hope you learn as much as we did from this episode and be sure to check us out on our social media pages at VeganFTA on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube where you can also find the series in video format. interesting backstory going from rapper to fashion designer and then more recently personal trainer and nutritionist so you've worn many hats and continue to do so um you know you've been vegan for a few years now but I understand your journey kind of started like a lot of us do long before that we always love to hear how activists got on that vegan advocacy trail would you mind sharing how in one life-changing weekend you watched an incredible was it 15 documentaries we heard you know yeah i don't even know how many it was it was uh many all of the documentaries that you could find you know on youtube or netflix or anything for free culminating of course in the big gary urofsky uh best speech ever which i watched twice in a row and then waited, stewing all night for my wife to wake up and said, gotta watch this the second that she woke up. But yeah, I mean, um, I was very sick. Um, and after a succession of injuries, uh, hip surgery, small foot surgery, back injury, all these things, I was disabled and essentially bedridden. Um, I was spending like 23 hours a day in bed for a couple of years, just slowly degrading and not able to get back to anything. I just couldn't get restarted. And I had, I had gained a lot of fat and lost all of my muscle. And one day I was just trying to say to myself, popping pills and laying here is not going to do anything for you. And how can you find a path to true health, to truly rehabbing yourself? And so I started reading a little bit and going online and watching documentaries, starting with, you know, some more of the, the pseudoscientific sort of Gerzen documentaries and stuff like that, uh, which I found super interesting and cued me to follow into Veducated and Forks Over Knives and all these things. And next thing you know, I hit the ethical aspects of some of these things. And I was like, holy shit, this is not just a, this is a, this is fucked up. This, I need to do something more than just, you know, I, I had already decided, you know, this is a great thing and I'm going to follow this path down plant-based foods and see if I can regain my health. And before the weekend was out, I had made a complete, you know, internal change in my, in my thoughts about you know, what happens when you encounter documentaries like Earthlings and Speciesism and um, the ethical implications of how we treat animals and how we treat our planet. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, it, it started with a health journey and ended with, a, with, with an ethical 
vegan journey all in a matter of about 24 hours, 48 hours or something like that. And, you know, I was still in the beginning telling myself and other people, oh, I don't know about, I'm just exploring this. I'm just trying it out, you know, and thinking that I would uh, eat the last of my, of my non-vegan food or something. Never, you know, not, not a chance that I could ever take another bite of it again. You know, and even for a while, I was, uh, as you said, in fashion. So I had this massive shoe collection working for Saks Fifth Avenue and kept it for like a year, just sat in my closet telling myself someday it'll be okay to wear these. I bought them before I was vegan. It's okay. And and, and it's fine. You know, never wore them one time. I think one time I tried to put on my favorite pair of Gucci high top sneakers and I was going to, you know, go out in these things. And I made it about a block away and looked down at my feet and I said, you hypocrite, you like, how are you going to really do this? You're going to like be, you know, ashamed for the entire, so I just went home and took them off and got rid of the entire thing. And so that was that weekend. I mean, my, my advocacy journey started in my early twenties, um, in human and civil rights advocacy uh, with Freetown Africano Cultural Theater out of Sierra Leone, Freetown, Sierra Leone, um, with a cultural icon over there who has a large group of people that uses theatrical presentations of the, the original Amistad story and stories that come from Freetown, Sierra Leone. Um, and that was like my first organized form of activism advocacy. Uh, I'm 49 years old. And so that was, you know, 25, 30 years ago, almost now. Wow. It goes to show the, um, the power of some of those documentaries getting out there. And I know what you mean about um, after going vegan, they're still having some of those old leather things. And it's sort of, I remember for me, it just got to the stage where it's just like, this is just so grotesque, you know, what I'm, I'm trying to put on my feet. And it's just, um, yeah, wow. It's, we always love hearing people's stories like that. And just for you as well to make that change um, so fast, you know, it, it's brilliant. Mm. But, um, we recently had an interesting conversation, though, with the fine folks at the Animal Activist Mentorship uh, Program, who are our partners. And it was on the topic of how other forms of activism can be a good precursor to becoming vegan. And so, like in yourself, you know, getting involved in those other social justice actions and other forms of advocacy, you know, it really can help to open people up to the conflicts of others, you know, and other movements. So, as we mentioned, yeah, you've had that previous experience. Do you feel that it could be a, a good and effective form of advocacy to try and encourage our non-vegan friends and family to take part in any action, whether it be you know, closing down um, circuses or, you know, beach cleanups and stuff like that. Do you think this could be effective to try and get more people to open their minds up to veganism? Yeah, of course. I mean, I, you know, um, some people get a lot of flack for relating um, the way we otherize animals to human rights or civil rights causes and things like that. Um, but I think that there are are really important ways that they intersect, you know, and, and that of course is a lot of people talk about intersectional ideas these days, and it's kind of changed its, its, its definition or changed the way people apply this, you know, that theory. But, you know, I mean, I think that while 
it's quite possible for somebody who's understood veganism and who's against speciesism to still engage in other forms of bigotry or other forms of discrimination. It would be very difficult to truly understand at, at, you know, the similarities between humans and other species and really grasp that. And then if you're, if you're able to understand that and able to embrace anti-speciesism, it's, it's pretty difficult to, to hate something, someone so similar to you, another human, you know, for such an arbitrary, tiny difference. Um, I, I really believe that if we could affect a mostly vegan world and teach, you know, not teach children to otherize animals, how can they grow up to otherize another human? You know, it's, it's, they're, they're obviously interlinked. And with AFOTS, um, we have a mentor or friend program that we talk about every once in a while and push people to teach someone to learn to live vegan for the day. Not just to eat plant-based food for a meal or eat plant-based food for a day, but actually learn to live vegan for a day. Learn all of the different ways that we exploit animals and use animals in so many, every aspect of our life. There's some form of animal product or testing or exploitation almost in everything you do. There's some tangentially related way that we're doing something disgusting to animals. Uh, and so, yeah, um, pursuing those things, of course, is going to make you more compassionate, you know, universally compassionate, compassionate. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, we interviewed Jordi Casamajana recently, didn't we, with, uh, with author of the book Ethical Vegan, and yeah, exactly the same thing. You just, you think that you're living kindly, but there's so much more out there that to it, to, to truly living kindly and, and doing no harm to, to animals and people think. But, um, you know, you've mentioned AFOTS, Animals First on the Second. And as a founder of that, you know, we've loved the concept. I don't even know when we first heard about it. Like many people, it would have been through Facebook, I think, because it's just everywhere. And we love the concept and, and everything that it stands for ever since we were first aware of it. For any of our audience who have, have yet to hear about Animals First on the Second or AFOTS, would you mind briefly explaining, you know, what the campaign is and what you aim to achieve with it each month? Sure, I'd love to. Um, and so Animals First on the Second, or as the, the acronym is AFOTS, is a vegan advocacy campaign that occurs monthly. Um, every month on the second day of the month, we fast for 24 hours to bring attention to one of the many ways that we treat animals poorly, which is by starving them on the way to the slaughterhouse. Um, and... So we wear an enigmatic mark on our hand to signify our fasts in hopes to encourage, con you know, questions about what we're doing and why we're doing it. Um, and it's a great form of entry-level activism for people's first time. It's a great thing for introverts who have a problem getting out into the world and initiating those conversations. This form of activism allows people to come to you and ask you questions on their time. They take the initiative so you know that you're not forcing anything on them. Um, and you know, for me, one of the beautiful things is, is these are your friends and your family and your acquaintances. These are people, not just somebody that you encounter at, you know, on the street handing a flyer to. These are people that you're 
more likely to see again, to be able to continue that conversation. Um, and these are people that you have a personal relationship with. That's one of the biggest ways to make advocacy even more functional than just delivering a good message is delivering a good message with context, you know, with a relationship to somebody um, so that they can understand where you're coming from. And, you know, the words that you use are more familiar to them, the, the, the types of things that you believe in are more familiar to them. And as I said, the biggest thing um, is that you can continue that conversation over and over again as you see these people at the store every month when you're wearing your mark and you're and you're fasting on the second or you know and at some family gathering or with friends absolutely fantastic campaign and like yeah i look forward to talking more about some of the uh the individual elements of it as we go through this interview because yeah it's brilliant and i hope um after watching this interview all of our audience will be getting involved and um, the enigmatic symbol displayed on participants' hand is just, it's such a brilliant concept for starting those conversations. And often the vegan movement gets stereotyped as this bunch of loud, preachy, hippie, um, <laughs> annoying people. But, you know, this, the, as most of us will know, the vegan movement covers a huge range of people. And there's a lot of us who maybe might not be so confrontational, might not be very loud. But having this symbol displayed in such a way allows the conversation to come to um, the advocate themselves as opposed to getting out there um, in person. And it's, as you mentioned, you know, it's a great thing for our introverts. And um, we'll talk about the predecessor to uh, AFOTS um, sure. in a little bit. But, you know, the, the having the sign, the symbol was something to mark people so they knew that you're fasting. And so when coming up with that idea, was the uh, idea for breaking down barriers for introverts part of putting that symbol there? Or was that just something that's wonderful that has just flourished from that? You know, I, I'm not sure that, the, I don't think that that was necessarily the impetus for it. I think it was, was um, whether or not you are extroverted, introverted, or whether or not you felt comfortable initiating these conversations. I don't really know that that was on my mind as much as wanting the person who initiating the conversation to be your target audience rather than you, hey, hey, let's take this flyer. Listen, I have something I want to tell you. Hey, listen, listen, listen. Instead of that and getting the obvious, you know, the, the obvious objection that you now have to overcome, which is I am worth five minutes of your time, they're deciding that they want to give you their time. And so they're much more easygoing about listening to the message rather than the other way around where they have this natural response of wanting to object to it. Well, I, I don't have time for this. I, don't, I can't think about that right now. No, you, you decided that you want to think about this right now. You've decided that you want to have this conversation with me. So it was more along those lines. And it was, um, you know, it was very much about being sure that people knew you were doing something but also not so much that they said, oh, I know what he's doing. I don't want to say anything about it. Just enough to, to, to say, hey, what is, what is that? What is, what's that mark? What are you doing? What does that mean? You know, and initiating that themselves. I think the idea that it was great for introverts came later when I saw people who had never engaged in another form of advocacy, yet I knew they had been vegan for years, um, finding this one thing that is so comfortable and so easy to do and 
seemingly unobtrusive and unforced, unforced for them was a big thing. And I said, ah, this is great for, for people who just feel nervous getting out there and in the streets with people they don't know. No, these are people you do know coming to you. I love that. Yeah. I love that. We need to, do you remember, we went, we went to a, a non-vegan event uh, recently. Uh, it was a summer barbecue, wasn't it? And um, we said, we didn't know anybody else except the host. And we said, right, we're not, we're not going to talk about veganism, you know, because we live, work, breathe veganism, you know, we're not going right. to talk to anybody about that. And then as it turned out, the, somehow everybody knew that we were vegan and kept coming up to us and we spent the whole time talking about veganism which was great but can you imagine if you know we need to make sure that we go to these events like on the second of the month because if we were to wear (laughs) you know that would just amplify it so much more it was such a great it got me thinking because um for the viewers who haven't yet seen it the the symbol is something i'll put up on screen now is usually a circle with the the cross and it's almost like you know as you're saying you know you're making yourself the target almost for the conversation so yeah, I, I love uh, how you brought I didn't that. Do up. anything? You got you just yeah. started talking to me. You know? <laughs> it's your own fault. Now you're getting the vegan yeah, yeah. word. But yeah, um, yeah. I know exactly what you mean, though. With uh, especially like when you're going out at the supermarket, you might have your charity stands there, and sometimes it's like they can be a really good cause. Um, but you just you're in that mindset of I just want to go past it, you know. And um, sure, sure. The few that have caught me recently, though, I must say, uh, some of them have been some of the cancer foundations and they're busy promoting, oh, I have a sausage, you know, to try and fight cancer. And then I give them a few <laughs> words back and uh, they don't want to talk to they me. They don't after know what that, to say so. to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that. But um, it's yeah. great. And, and with the campaign, you know, um, as Gary said, he'll, he'll show it, but you'll see people everywhere we have on social media i don't think you can be vegan and not see somebody on social media on the second of every month you know they've got their hand over their mouth and they've got got the symbol and as you say it's you know it always surprises me the wide range like you say we're we're not the all everybody's not all one age one type of person that is doing this there are different people of all ages just it's so inclusive and, and every time I'm like oh wow good on you to that person you know I would never expect you to right. be doing that good on you for taking a stand and and we love about you know this this campaign is that it's so unlike other advocacy events and you know wearing that mark can be it can be subtle it can be as bold as you want um and at the same time you're creating that that day of advocacy without borders um like you say it provokes curiosity wherever you are um what are the general reactions that either you or other participants get while you're going about your day i mean as you said it's so wide-ranging and particularly at this point um it's hard to tell. I mean, it's incredibly popular in Japan right now. And I know that they present it and get responses in quite a different way than we get. Um, And because much of that demographic is not on Facebook, I don't see a lot of what 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 happens there. I, I only see it when I'm on Instagram or Twitter or something like that. You'll see dozens and dozens of people from countries that just don't really use Facebook like like you know like you know many many other countries do you know um, but I've gotten a range of 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 responses I'm fairly unique though in of course that I've created it and that people kind of know that I also happen to live in probably the most vegan neighborhood on the planet um, you know I mean we we have, you know, I, I at one point a few years ago was working two separate jobs, running um, 
the the world's only vegan and sustainable luxury menswear line on the planet, which was one block from my home, while being the nutrition counselor at a vegan medical medical clinic six blocks from my home, next to the you know the vegan donut shop around the corner from world famous vegan champs diner, you know with vegan groceries and vegan tattoo shops, literally all vegan tattoo shops and everything, you know, thousands and thousands of vegans in this town. And I've lived in this neighborhood for almost 20 years now. So everybody kind of knows me, you know, and I don't spend as much time as the average person, of course, just being out in public and engaging with people. I'm running the campaign every, you know, every time it's happening. Um, but people experience a range of, of, of responses. One person, the first time she tried it, went into her office and immediately started back into the group typing and say, for the first time I've, I've ever been able to have a real conversation about veganism with my coworkers, I've talked to everyone in my entire office. And now we're all planning on going out later on tonight to, to sit down and talk about this with, with about half a dozen people. And I never was able to have one calm, normal, you know, intellectual conversation about this important thing. And now this has affected that. Um, and then, of course, there are some people, depending on where you live, who have very little interaction. You know, very few people will ask them. A person like me with lots of tattoos, for instance, sometimes they don't even notice it almost. You know, it's just kind of blends into everything. Or... Um, you know, I'm kind of a big, aggressive looking guy. So some people sometimes don't want to ask me questions. Whereas some of the more normal looking, you know, conservative, maybe um, more conservative than I, at least, um, people get tons of questions and people, you know, are very curious about it. And because you're not forcing it on them, they find themselves wanting to ask question after question. You know, I think I've seen every range of possible response that you can think of um, in more languages than I care to count at this point. You know, I just, you know, I think recently we realized that there are more than 50 regular participants in Poland, you know, more than, you know, the dozens and dozens in Uruguay or Colombia, each country, you know, so many and all of them very different. It's so awesome, isn't it? And it's one of the things I love about veganism as well is the ability to have movements within the movement. You know, it's, sure. it's so cool. Yeah. I want to move to, is it Brooklyn? I need to move to Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, North Brooklyn is nuts with the, I, I tell you, you could walk into any random bar and say, who's vegan in here? And five people will stick up their hand. It's, it's, you know, sadly, of course, if you said who used to be vegan in here, half the room would stick their hand up. And you're uh. like, wait, what? What happened? What happened? What, what is that about? Yeah. But um, it, it's, you know, there are in North Brooklyn, two vegan cheese shops. Like, where else does things like that happen? You know, I mean, it's a, the, the best rest, vegan restaurant I know of in the world is, you know, five minutes walking distance from here. It's really, really amazing place. Um, if you're ever disheartened and feel like the vegan movement is not growing and there are not a lot of vegans in the world come over to north brooklyn have a visit in new york city and come walk around this town and you, you'll see it everywhere you know you'll see graffiti about it in restaurants and stores and and yeah, i mean 
So much so that if a new restaurateur even comes to our neighborhood to open a restaurant, we laugh at him if he doesn't have significant vegan options. Doesn't matter what kind of restaurant you have. If you're dopey enough to have not done the market research and realize you need three, four good vegan options, you're going to fail in this town. There's tens of thousands of vegans here, literally. It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. God, two vegan cheese shops. I mean, we've got like two, three vegan cheeses in New Zealand. Like, right. <laughs> that's insane. Right. And a vegan medical center. How amazing would that be? We do have some vegan doctors here, but oh, that's yeah. the stuff dreams are made of, isn't it? So, I was come the on, New Zealand. Counselor. I was the nutrition counselor over there. And, you know, I mean, it's everybody who works there is vegan, obviously. And it's a nurse practitioner's clinic, which is, you know, it's sort of like a doctor. You can do almost everything besides surgery. Um, and yeah, we were trying to figure out a way um, to make it so that when you come into the clinic, we're not just writing you another prescription, writing you another prescription. We figured out a way that as long as I'm practicing under the medical license of, of, of the nurses there, the nurse practitioners, and you know, complying with everything that I need to do for insurances and stuff like that, when people come in and pay their copay for something and say, I have diabetes, I have, you know, heart issues, I have any of these things, oh, go see the nutritionist, you know, go see the on-staff nutrition coach, counselor, or whatever we were calling it at the time, trying to figure out the best way to go about it, and talk about a lifestyle change. And that invariably led to other conversations about actual veganism, sometimes on the spot. Um, and it worked incredibly well because what the health had just come out. And so people were frantically, I got something wrong with me. Let me see if I can find a plant-based doctor. And we were one of the first things that came up. So people were just, you know, constantly coming for all manner of things. And uh, it was a really good experience. Oh, that was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. yeah like, um, and if somebody else who found what the hell very effective. Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> that really, uh, that, well, that was one of the things that led me to go plant-based and then vegan within a few days. And it's just, yeah, yeah that whole thing of tackling the actual root of the problem and not just the symptoms, um, which is the right. most common form of uh, medicine that we're seeing around the world. But um, we recently spoke with Anita Kreintz, uh, the founder of the Save Animal Save Movement, about wow. consistency of advocacy and how it plays into effectiveness. And having created AFOTS to be a monthly campaign as opposed to its predecessor, which was a annual, um, an annual day for fasting, how do right. you feel consistency, uh, well, consistent events weigh up against these heavy-hitting single actions? Um, you know, the, the, the single actions are sometimes effective. And, you know, I, I, of course, have no way to compare the two really. Um, you know, I, I think in this case, consistency is important because it takes cumulative effect for most people to make this type of change. You know, we'll have conversations in, in, in vegan groups between the vegan community all the time about whether or not people went vegan overnight or whether they had baby steps and it took a process. And I tell people for everyone, it took a process your whole life, your entire life, all of these cumulative spirits, try to tell me you didn't see Food Inc. 10 years ago and learn something about it. You want to try to tell me you haven't watched some documentaries that touched on these things? Of course you did. Of course you saw a PETA protest at some point in your life and you thought you ignored it, but you didn't. 
it made an impact and it sat in your brain and a cumulative you know exposure to different people's messaging sooner or later hit you and just just made you wake up for a moment and really take notice of something and usually those yearly events while they're great are not repetitive enough for people to finally get it sometimes you need to be shaken out of your apathy and one time isn't enough for most people most people need that cumulative you know experiences and and little bits of knowledge that stick in there even if they think they're not really paying attention that much to get to a place where they finally want to explore it and really really dive deep into what they're doing and what their effect is and and if they feel what they're doing is right and make a big change like going vegan um so yeah i i, I think regular exposure is necessary for most people to really get it well that's a brilliant insight i love mm. that and uh we are always using the um the analogy of you know the whole planting the seeds and you don't know whether you're planting them watering them or ready to harvest them and so yeah doing that right. consistently is that consistent watering and then hopefully plenty of vegan harvesting yeah you're so right, right about sure. food and catchy i remember watching it years ago um and I, I still remember the pigs to this day. That is what stays with me is, is the pigs yeah. um, in Food Inc. Right. You know, so yeah, that was definitely a we see the fact that I could still just recall that. But um, we should mention actually that the um, the symbol for for AFOTS it, it is comprises it it represents a, a dinner plate, doesn't it? With with cutlery crossed, you know, a knife and a fork crossed in it, and um, sure. which is yeah it makes total sense and, and another great sort of starting point um it takes me back to when, when we go and visit my mother and you know we have we have dinner but we will never sit at her table we go and eat somewhere else because she <laughs> it's, okay. it's just sowing those seeds like something's not quite right um and this is why we're, we're choosing not to sit there but anyway um yeah you did a, a brilliant interview with um the guys at live vegan podcast and in that you talked about how as participants undergo their fasting for the animals it's encouraged that they connect with them by experiencing their hunger when asked what to do when you start to get really hungry your reply was suffer um and we love your reasoning behind this comment you know you sort of said it you know with, with humor but when you actually went into it it was a very deep and really resonated with us as well and, and gave some real depth to to AFOTS um, would you mind giving your giving our audience and your audience some context on this uh I can try I don't you know um some of those comments very often like you said are 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 rooted in in a little bit of humor and levity um even though it's a very serious thing I like to use pop culture references and humor and whatever I can to get people to take notice and take part and promote it and things like that. Um, and I'm not sure exactly what I meant at that moment, but I can tell you for the most part what I mean when I say that and make that joke um, is that you shouldn't, you know, one of the beautiful things about fasting is it affects you physically, which then of course affects you emotionally. Um, and even if you don't have a very specific conversation with a specific person and think of how you influence that one particular person, you're part of a large chorus of people each time doing this and growing a movement. And in addition to that, what I meant with the supper comment is that 
it deepens your connection with animals. It deepens your connection with your vegan purpose, your purpose for this entire lifestyle change and this entire philosophy of being. Um, and people, I try to encourage them to not run away from the sensations, not run away from the discomfort. As a matter of fact, embrace it, feel it, use it, convey it to other people. This is what the animals are going through. This is after, you know, they've been confined and beaten and, and, and exploited their entire lives. Then we jam them, cram packed onto this truck. And then without food and water, they're in transit for a day or two. And then how long do they sit on the dock while they're hearing screams and, and waiting for their turn, you know? And so the point of it is, is, is to feel it actually feel it, actually feel it in a way where when you write about it, people feel that as well. And, you know, the emotion is a big driver. And if you try to hide that emotion and try to run from it and try to pretend that it's not happening, then you're not, you know, taking advantage of one of the main portions of this, which is, you know, as I said, th those physical sensations make you emotional. The first time I ever fasted against slaughter, I found myself crying. And I mind you, I'm a, I, I'm, I'm an emotional guy, and I, I, I don't, I don't stop myself from, from, from emoting and crying when, when it's something, you know, passion that I'm passionate about or something that's, you know, very emotional. Um, so it made sense. But the idea that it just pushes your emotions right to the surface when you're in discomfort or when you're doing something, you know, very physically demanding, like putting your body through a fast that it's, un, you know, unaccustomed to. Um, and so suffer, use it, feel it, convey that to, you know, write about it, express that to people. And they'll feel that more than your little analytical, oh, I wanted to explain to you typing on, on, on it. No really emote, really, really give that to them, guttural feeling to them. And they'll feel that there's no way that they can not feel that if it's true and honest in the way, you know, in, in your, in your emotions. And, and yeah, that the sensations are important, embrace them, use them. Don't try to hide them and don't try to squash them away and pretend it's nothing. It's not nothing. Stop the podcast. We would like to take a moment to give a shout out to one of our partners, Viva. Viva are experts on vegan health, nutrition, recipes, lifestyle, and campaigning noisily and effectively to save animals on our planet. Want to go vegan and be a champion for the animals? Everything you need is right here. Head on over to viva.org.uk to learn more. Now back to the podcast. Absolutely love yeah. that. And, um, so true. This actually made me think a lot about um, with the animal saving movement, and they quite often uh, reference Leo Tolstoy and how he said, to, you know, when you see the suffering, to lean into it. And we also know from our work here, when writing and stuff like that, as you say, when you've got that that passion and that real emotion behind something, it just it, it hits like a sledgehammer, you know. And that's the the work that will get out there the most is when you've got real emotion behind it, you know. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't realize as well, you know, you, you bring up such a good point with the campaign and that animals do get starved. You know, I've worked on a farm for years and, and when the farmers put the animals on the truck, we had no idea when they would get fed again. You know, once they left the farm, it was out of our control. And right. um, and, and when 
when we feel bad for ourselves getting hungry and you know when we finish fasting it could be a challenge but at the end of the day you know we're done we can relax we get to sleep in a comfy bed these animals are in spaces where they can't move they can find a cram like you said and when they finish fasting Mm. they die you know (laughs) so it it really makes me think like you know we can complain all we like about being hungry but that is the time to make that real connection as you say sure sure yeah i you know um there are a lot of people who try to get extreme with afos um in the beginning i tried to repeatedly explain to people this isn't a health challenge and it's not a competition to see how long you can starve yourself. It's just a symbolic gesture because there's no way you can put yourself actually in the place of the animals. You know, I try to encourage people just do a 24 hour fast. Please stay hydrated. Don't do some crazy 72 hour drive fast where you, you know, try to self flagellate like that's going to change. And, you know, it's there's no way that you can ever truly experience what animals must endure. And then, of course, the horrible ending that, that, that they come to. Um, so yeah, you know, it's, it's in addition to making the joke about suffer, I may have kind of been saying, look, you know, it's, it's, it's not that bad. You'll be okay. Suffer for 24 hours. You'll be all right in the end. You know, it's like how, you know, (laughs) you know, you're never going to experience what animals have to go through. So, you know, just, just feel the symbolic gesture, do it really explore it and really really embrace all of it i um well i mentioned uh your predecessor quite a bit um earlier and so uh, that was the world day for farmed animals which began as an annual fast and right. um they ended up sort of abandoning the the campaign amidst the idea that it promoted welfareism this um while being opposed to abolition um, have you faced any uh, similar sort of criticism or misconception in regards to AFOTs? Yeah, of course. You know, um, particularly in the beginning, a lot of staunch vegans were worried that we were promoting some sort of welfareist um, idea. Um, you know, and I make it very clear that this is just one of the ways that 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 we do nasty stuff to animals. It's just an opening point for for, for a much longer conversation. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I do have to very often reassure people, as I'm sure Alex felt he needed to, um, that it is not a welfareist campaign, that we do not just want you to feed the animals before you slit their throats. We, this, is, this is not what we're after. We're, you know, it is not really about the fasting. It's about the slaughter, you know, and um, some people will complain. And that was one of, yeah, I think his his initial thought was he was going to keep doing it as it's something that Alex Harchap had done for decades himself, but he didn't really believe that moving forward it was the best idea, simply because, you know, he's got a large organization to run, he's got many large projects, and it's a yearly thing where you, there's only so much you can communicate about it, because um, this idea is monthly and constantly ongoing. Um, being sure that our purpose is clear was much easier for me. Uh, but yeah, of course, there's all kinds of objections. You know, one of the main initial objections was, well, who, what do you, why are you doing that? It's self-serving. Who's going to know you're fasting? And I said, oh, well, we're going to wear something on our hands and everybody's going to know we're fasting. And we're going to do it by the thousands. 
over and over and over again so that as people start to get more and more exposed to it, they'll all know what we're doing and why we're doing it. And it's surely not just trying to change how we treat animals right before we kill them. Absolutely. As you pointed out just before as well, we can never experience what they experience. And that's the thing, if we're going to write off every campaign because it's not fully showing that, you know, what campaigns are we going to have for the animals? I think you've hit a brilliant mark with AFOTS in in doing that. And yeah, just it raises the point so well. It's funny, isn't it? I mean, you can never please everyone. We we know that in the vegan movement. That's just how it is. But people's perception, that never occurred to me that you're doing anything else other than what you're doing. You know, I never read anything else into the campaign. But hey, different people. Um, One of the things I have to say I love personally about AFOTS is, you know, we've mentioned the inclusive inclusivity of the movement to you know it's something that everyone of all ages can do but it is something everyone everyone at all can do um sure. you know you've got fasting is, is one of the the only requirements really but um so it does open up that participation to just about everyone but we must add that there is also a way to be involved even if you can't fast um people like me due to, to medical reasons you know with uh sure. when you have uh, fibromyalgia and things like that you gotta eat otherwise it's not not good but i can still take part and for all our audience members who would like to get involved but perhaps you know may not be able to to fast for medical reasons can you tell us the difference between you know you get to wear the cross symbol or for the likes of me we get to wear the the tick the check mark yeah yeah so um in addition to the circled x representing an empty plate with unused cross utensils on it It's also, you know, um, putting an X on your hand is used by other movements. It was used by the straight edge movement. And in that case, it meant to abstain from mind altering substances. Mostly it was about alcohol and drugs. Um, And it was originally because when they had hardcore punk rock shows, um, the kids were allowed in and to be sure that they didn't drink, the bouncer put an X on his hand. And so that slowly turned into, I am now abstaining from from alcohol and drugs sometimes it, it it took it further and that was the straight edge movement so an x with this circle is very similar of course it just means abstaining from animal exploitation and even food in this case consuming i would love it to someday be a movement where you consume nothing for the day and i mean buy nothing eat nothing you know d- just stop your consumption for the day but yes also You know, we have, I have one promotional meme that I use all the time that's got a kid who was 12 or 13 and a woman in her 80s, both both participating at the same time. And not only is it, you know, you said that the the one, you know, prerequisite is that you're fasting. You don't have to fast. And I hope someday AFOTS is no longer really even necessarily 100% associated with fasting. It's just a day for animals. It's a day when we put animals first in our conversations in everything that we do, you know, some of us, people like us, of course, are going to put animals first many days out of the month, most of them in in our jobs and in our conversations, but at least for everyone else, that one day. And so the other option, as you said, is a circled check mark or a circled V, right? Um, it can be either or both, right? Of course, um, it's the same symbol. Um, and that means that you are participating in animals first on the second, but you are not fasting for medical or other personal reasons. Um, I've had people help me admin my Facebook group who have history of disordered eating. 
And so they can talk to other people about, please do not trigger any of your past traumas with this and can still participate. Um, for little kids, some people will have their, you know, this, their three-year-old will see them doing this and they want to do it too. And mommy put it on my hand too. Of course, you're not going to have a three-year-old to even understand any of this thing. And of course, it's not necessary to, to force them not to eat for the day. Day. So they can wear their little check mark and they can still participate and learn about things that day. Um, it's also a way for kids who are even slightly older um, to go to school and not have schools or teachers, you know, fear that maybe they're doing something unusual. So they can wear the check mark. And that's also the mark that people use who are mentoring somebody for the day. You're learning to live vegan for the day. You're still going to be eating something, but you're going to be eating only vegan food that day. And you're going to wear that check mark. And so, yeah, I, I, it's, I want to be sure that everyone can participate, that it's 100% inclusive. There is no time that you will ever enter, you know, the Facebook group with that's thousands and thousands of people talking every month and have somebody try to exclude you or otherize you or in any way be anything other than 100% encouraging you'll if if you're ever in that group you'll notice it is the most supportive and encouraging group of a few thousand advocates that you can possibly find and yeah so we want to be sure that everyone can participate everyone can do it safely and in a in a reasonable way as long as i tell everybody as long as you are safe and healthy and this functions as advocacy there are no set rules there's no rules about how to participate in this. Just please do something good for animals and for the planet on that day. And if you can only fast for five hours or 10 hours, whatever that means to you, that doesn't, it's not much, but for some people it might be, then that's what you do. If, if people say, oh, I failed, I only lasted for 21 hours. No, that's 100% a success every single time. There's no way that that was not successful and whatever that person did is easily enough. So just try and do something. Well, that's absolutely great. Mm -hmm. Although I must um, bring up, I know it's a question you get asked a lot, but as a qualified nutritionist, would you mind sharing with the audience how actually it can be beneficial participating in a fast and also dispel any worries viewers might have, you know, of the, the dangers of <laughs> fasting? Right. Yeah, I mean, some people get a little a little strange about fasting. Meanwhile, religious groups and all different kinds of people have been fasting for thousands of years for various purposes. You know, um, as somebody who started my nutrition work in, in a clinic and had to justify every single thing that I recommended to my clients um, in a system for, for government compliance, for insurance compliance, and to be sure that that I was doing everything responsible underneath the medical licenses, everything needed to be evidence-based, you know, and firmly rooted in science. And so there are a lot of claims about the, the health aspects of fasting. It's great to reset your, to reset your, your relationship with food, to reset your, your gut biome, all of these different things. I don't know that there's really much evidence to tell you the truth about the benefits of them. Intermittent fasting, which is very popular right now, has many claims as well. Many of them have either been debunked or have been shown to really just not have much evidence behind them. But also, conversely or inversely, one of those, um, 
there, there are also no, no evidence that, that fasting for 24 hours has any negative health implications. There's never been shown to be. I think it's really good for you to be able to give your body a rest from constantly processing everything that we might consume, including toxic substances and bad air pollution and all of these things. So you're going to be getting that regardless of whether you eat or not. But if you're not eating and you're not forcing your body to, to, to break down all of this food and every, all, the, all the garbage that might come in your vegan junk food or whatever, uh, uh, you know, which of course there's no evidence that consuming a small amount of that is bad for you. But, um, but yeah, you, the fasting can have benefits for your, for, for your metabolism. It can have benefits for a range of things. But as I said, I don't think that there's really any evidence to prove that it has miraculous benefits, nor is there any evidence that there's any negative health implications whatsoever to short-term fasting. It's been done by Muslims and Hindus probably and Jains and you know, millions of people over thousands of years. This is nothing new and not a big deal. In fact, you fast every night and then you wake up and break fast. How bad could it be? This is so true, so true. And, you know, um, we've interviewed Dr. Clapper before now. And I mean, he and his wife are, are big fans of, of regular fasting. That's something that they do, you know, on a regular basis. Um, and even I'm sure you'll know Dr. Layla as well. Uh, Dr. Layla Dagan, she is a um, plant-based doctor and, you know, real passionate animal activist and I mean I never see her miss a month she is always there bearing that symbol on the, on the second of every month so sure, um, it's sure. hard to you know not to bring up the, the dreaded 2020 but as a form of activism that doesn't require in-person meetups or attendance at a specific location did you find that that helped AFOTS at all um, last year or you know was it hindered by national lockdown i know for us at, at vegan right. fca it gave us a whole new direction by you know we wouldn't be here talking to you if it hadn't been for the lockdowns and so right, you know right. did you find that it was beneficial as well to afot as, as a form of activism that people could still do um you know to me it kind of seems like an opportunity to connect further with the animals being locked up ourselves as they are yeah you know interestingly just like everything when we first entered this crazy time you know this crazy era um it, it, it was uh, it was confusing to figure out what to do and how to behave and what things were gonna how we were gonna make things work. So, um, two sides to the coin. In the beginning, a lot of people were like, "Well, I'm not gonna run into anybody. You know, there's nobody that I'm gonna see. I'm not seeing anybody. I'm locked in my home." Um, and so, I think a lot of us were thinking that maybe it would decline a bit. Um, which it did right in the beginning, just because everybody was so consumed with trying to figure out how to survive, you know, all of this craziness. Um, but yeah, after we got past that initial discomfort of figuring out how to live during a pandemic and quarantine life, we all realized that nothing else was happening. Nobody could be doing street activism. And we were all online and looking for a way to interact with each other. Everybody was starved for, for communicating with somebody and connecting with somebody. And some people took great advantage of it um, with 
long, elaborate posts and long conversations online with lots and lots of people who had lots of time on their hands and, and you know, great interest in exploring something new because they just had, you know, lots of, lots of pent up energy that they wanted to explore. So yeah, um, in the beginning, it seemed like it was going to be a hindrance, but it did end up for many people being um, a, a way for them to explore how to advantage AFOTs in social media and online. And uh, then, as you said, it got to a point, and like I said, that when people realized this is all I got, this is the only thing I have right now, you know, to, 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 to continue to advocate, um, people really, really got involved in it. And it brought a new wave of people in. You know, one of the things about AFOTs is while some people stick with it, some people do it once or twice and they find out that, that, that you know, that, that it's too much for them or it, it wasn't the most functional for them and they come and go a little bit and they'll disappear for a couple months and come back, which is fine with me. I don't expect everybody to do it all the time. But yeah, some people, you know, particularly seasoned activists find themselves wanting to, to do it a couple of months just to explore it and, and, and hopefully encourage some other people to do it. And then they go back to whatever their chosen form of, of, of most comfortable activism is. So we always need a new influx of people. And the, the pandemic did bring us a bunch of people who said, ah, this is, this is interesting. I can do this online every month. Um, you know, particularly people who don't live in big towns or big cities that don't have access to tons of people that they can, you know, talk to in a town square in a shopping center. Um, so yeah, it, it definitely did um, allow us to pivot, find new ways to, to advocate and find a new crop of people that wanted to give it a shot. Awesome. Like uh, speaking about the new crop, um, we, we saw that uh, with the AFOTs, when you first initially started this campaign and you were, you put it out there, you managed to get around 300 people participate in the very first one. And since then, as you said, it's a global movement uh, getting big in Japan, which is uh, fantastic. Um, yeah, yeah. What is it like to see your advocacy project take off in such a way, you know, see it all around the globe? You know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I have all different kinds of emotions about it. Hi, Becky. Thank you for joining us. Um, uh, you know, it's weird. In the beginning, I felt like it was something that I wanted to try to control and manage. And I wanted to be sure that everybody understood what I was going for and what I wanted out of it. And then I realized that it wasn't about me. And it doesn't matter what I want out of it. It doesn't need to be my form, my version of it, my experience, my personal AFOTS experience doesn't have to be everybody else's experience. And I had to accept that anyway. As I said, there are, there are people who I've tried to communicate with on Instagram in, in, that speak another language that don't speak English at all. And all they know is my first name and AFOTS. That's all they know, you know, and, and, it's some of them trying to explain to them that I'm the guy who started that and I wanted to talk, talk to you about your experience with it and they have no way and so they just everybody has their own thing so it's it's um it's exciting it is gratifying of course um you know it, being an advocate is a highly rewarding thing it's not the reason we do it but it is highly rewarding of course um 
and that all feels good. I think my biggest thing about it is, is I try to constantly think of a way to bring it to the next thing, you know, to, to add something of value to it and use this large audience of people, um, you know, constantly trying to think about how we can say, you know, well, can we feed other people with the money that we saved from not buying food that day? You know, can, can they eat what we choose not to eat for the day? Can we feed the homeless? Can we feed animals at sanctuaries? Is there a way to gather these thousands of people together and, and, and you know, have, have them donate towards something? Is there a way um, to start to encourage people to break fast together? And support local local vegan restaurateurs that way, or um, you know, and and you know maybe throw small events, which then of course could generate a small amount of revenue to continue with other forms of activism. That's one of the things that I want to be sure people understand is APOTS only happens once a month, but I don't want you to only be active once a month. I do, however, want you to not sit around in the group and talk about when the next APOTS is coming up. I want you to get out and go and do another form of activism. And so, you know, maybe there's, a, you know, at some point we can take these thousands of people and have them support and create more activism in their area, you know, generate funds for TVs for, a, for an AV or an Earthlings experience type thing or um, anything, you know, and, and, Find, find a way to get politically active, which is probably one of my favorites other than things like, you know, that type of street activism, vegan education. Um, so yeah, so it's exciting. I hope that, um, that it can continue to grow. And I mean, my honest hope is I think of it like, you know, every Ash Wednesday when you see people walking around with something on their head. And I hope that someday people just recognize the second as the day for animals, not about fasting, not about anything else. You just see people wearing this mark everywhere and you realize today's the day we do something for animals. Even if I am a selfish, misanthropic, apathetic person and I don't do anything every day. And the second every month, I do something good for animals, something good for the planet and focus on somebody other than me. Absolutely love that. And that. audience, you, you know what to do now on the second and also listen to Izzy and get out there and uh, do some other activism in between. You can check out all the stuff yeah. on the channel for all the different forms of activism. So yeah, it's brilliant. And I love what you guys are doing and how it's progressing. We always say about veganism, it's always a, it's always just a progressive, it's always evolving, it's always building to something better. And um, it's fantastic to, to hear how AFOTS uh, hopes to grow and continue on. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love your um your idea as well about, you know, having that whole day of non-consuming as well. I think that would be great. It'd be something that I'd definitely like to do in the next one. I, I've got to get on and do this. I've got these little scrawny hands. And so when I see everybody else on Facebook, with, you know, putting the hand over the mouth, I'm like, I want to do it. But have you seen how bony my hands are? People will be like, oh, my God, she's got well, these horrible hands. You got to make a big, ugly one. You got to, like, draw it on your entire body. You got to wear, like, a big sheet with a whole thing on it. I don't know. Well, we you know, there's people that, that do crazy stuff. The funny thing is, is everybody thinks it's supposed to be some neat little thing. And I keep telling them, make it imperfect. 
make it sloppy, make it a big mess on your hand. That's what gets, you know, perfectly imperfect is the best way, you know, is, 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 is I, is my comment to people who have, you know, who say, oh, I'm not so good at drawing or, or I used makeup because I can't find a, a vegan marker. Not all markers are vegan. Um, and so, you know, using eyeliner all over the place or something like that. That's great. Do it. Draw it on your, I don't know, get a, get a shirt, get an AFOX shirt. Oh, wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Wouldn't that be great? That'd be cool. I get over my OCD of not being able to do perfect circles and things. I have it on my cheek. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, yeah, with Izzy saying about the uh, the Ash Wednesday, you know, and having the cross and the yeah. head, you know, we'll, right. just, we'll, we'll have the uh, AFOTS cross instead. I and, need to get more creative yeah. and like you say, be, be less less perfect and, and that could be even more effective. I love it. Lots love of it. people have done uh, creative things and, and quite wild things. There's quite a, There's a few people who have it tattooed now um you know the the symbol on different parts of their body there's even a person who has a scarification version of it on their body um and one that branded themselves with it wow that's dedication for you good thing too Uh, i like that well a little while for me but hey uh, you know it's it's if there was anybody that was going to be extreme about it it's going to be a vegan activist (laughs) absolutely anybody on this planet that was going to get nuts about it um, I also know people who have tattoos from their neck all the way to their fingertips and literally have put it on their face for the day, which wow. is uh, fairly extreme as well. But hey, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a little more than even I would do. But, but look, it, it, whatever it is to, to just create that opening for you know, a potential conversation, go for it. Absolutely. And it's working. I mean, every month, probably two days of every month, actually, is AFOTS Day for us. Being in our time yeah. zone, you know, we get everyone yeah. doing on the second of the month. And then on my social media, everyone's doing on the second of their month, which is the third right. of mine. So I get, I get, you know, two days of AFOTS. Yeah, yeah. And it's an yeah, avalanche. For you guys, I'm always telling people, I try to tell people, you know, AFOTS starts, uh, you know, on January 1st at 6 a.m. I'm always on there going, New Zealand just started. Which is why I should have known that I was missing our interview today because <laughs> I should have known better about time zones and my craziness. I almost missed our interview thinking it was going to be tomorrow. But yeah, of course, you know, it not only not only does it last for longer than a 24-hour period because of different time zones, people start usually the day before or it goes until the day after. It's not like people start at midnight and finish midnight every time. You know, um, I start after their dinner on the first and finish you know after you know when when i would normally have dinner or a little later on the second i don't really ever count the hours it's not really an important thing for me and i don't think it should be for anybody um but yeah you know i mean it can last for even longer than that for me it starts sort of on the you know on the last day of the month previous and goes sort of until the third Definitely. Yeah, I think it's important for people to to recognize that. Yeah, you you choose your what period you want to do over that over that day. Because um, when yeah. we talked to the Live Vegan podcast, that was something that I didn't think of either. Um, is, is whether you choose to do breakfast or dinner or even lunchtime to lunchtime, which whichever you like. So um, yeah, you can yeah. adapt it to suit you. But I mean, there's it's just an avalanche every month on my social media, on my Facebook. You know, it 
it's so fantastic and I'm, I swear there are more people doing it every month which is great and when doing that research for this interview you know we understand that branching out and growing your social media around the movement has been your goal over the last year or so um, and in the case of us and, and many other members of the AFOX community um, I'm sure we must have we would have heard about it from word of mouth or, or social media um, which was you know something that you maintain in the earlier days with the likes of our, our wonderful partners at the Vegan Review love those guys um, they uh -huh. featured an article on you recently about you know this incredible movement um is 2021 going to be the year that we see you reaching out to more mainstream media and, and getting that cross in front of even more people i think so um you know um for a while i wasn't really sure the best way to go about that and i am I, i'm sure you know a fairly controversial character i tend to have a big mouth and i'm very opinionated and I don't play nice when I don't feel like playing nice. So some people I, I've not really integrated into any of the larger organizations simply because I have my own way of doing things. And for, you know, because donor dollars are difficult to get, attaching yourself to a controversial figure that could somehow affect that is 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 a sketchy, you know, is a is a touchy thing for 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 many. So I haven't really had the long way of saying I haven't really had the advantage of working with people that have access to mainstream media and you know decades of experience figuring out how to get more attention outside of our little community um but yeah I think it's about time to try to take this to a place where it's not just known in the vegan circle, but known in the greater, you know, the greater community. Um, and I have some plans to just try to get people to be able to recognize the mark um, and get that in people's faces and seen a lot so that when they finally do see it on your hand, they say, ah, I've seen that before, which is more encouraging even to ask about it. Yet I wanna keep it enigmatic. So it's a little difficult. What I don't want to do, of course, is go on there and spew this long thing that 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 is difficult for people to digest, and then therefore they're not interested in continuing the conversation or in these things. So it's a touchy thing, but yeah, there should hopefully be some more visibility coming soon. Oh, that's brilliant. We we're just so grateful uh, for you being there and having this driving force and commitment to make a thoughts what it is and. You know, we really hope it is globally recognized soon um, within the general public from the activists getting out there and um, being questioned about it. Yeah, um, yeah. For anyone who wants to learn more about AFOTS and how to get involved and take part, hopefully uh, on the next second, um, where can they go to? Sure. So as we've said on Facebook, there's a Facebook group that is Animals First on the Second, which is where all of the details and community engagement is. But in addition to that, you can also find an Animals First on the Second Facebook page. You can find us on Instagram at Fast Against Slaughter um, and on the web at fastagainstslaughter.org or animalsfirstonthesecond.com or afots.org, which is the shortest, quickest one to type into your little browser. Um, and you can find lots of the details that way. Um, and I'm sure there are more springing up. There are also versions in Spanish on, on Instagram um, that you can find by typing in Fast Against Slaughter and you'll see additional characters at the end for different countries that have translated all this stuff. 
And there are also Facebook groups in Spanish and other, in other languages for you to be able, there's one in Polish, one in Spanish. Um, and yeah, so those are the, the majority of the ways. Uh, fastagainstslaughter.org, animalsfirstonthesecond.com, apops.org, and at fastagainstslaughter on Instagram. That's awesome. There, we've got all, all the information, all the support that you need to take part. Um, I will see you at the next one with, I'll, I'll be showing my scrawny little hand. I'll, I'll put it Yay. out there. <laughs> Yay. Yay. But seriously, awesome. thank you so much for all you do. Like, like we said, we, we've loved this concept from the start. We love everything that you do to, to raise awareness this way. And, I you know, we, we got some Seaspiracy stickers recently. I'm thinking some mm. AFOT stickers would be great. We could have some fun with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, we, we had some stuff in the past that was more along the lines of just the mark, um, you know, stickers for people who, you know, if their job, maybe it's inappropriate for them to wear something like that. So they wear a little sticker. And, and of course, there's merch to be found um, on all of those areas. You can find T-shirts and hats and all kinds of things. But yeah, um, we're now just starting to expand um, I have a guy who does some graphics and we're releasing some new things, which will include things like stickers and hats and new shirts and stuff like that. So that'll make it a little easier. Fantastic. <laughs> it's grown hugely and it's just going to keep getting bigger. So thank Hope you so. so much for all you do. Thank you. I appreciate the time that you've, you've given to me to, to show me to your audience. Thank you for listening to this interview. We hope you find it informative and entertaining. To learn more about Izzy's work, check out fastagainstslaughter.org. Once again, be sure to follow us on our social media pages for future episodes. And if you're enjoying our content, please leave a review on your chosen podcast platform. This has been Vegan FTA, vegan for the animals. <laughs>